Happy Wednesday, and welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. Uh, before we get into today's topic, obviously, I have to uh, set set the scene uh, because you know we're, we're in the middle of August, which is which once upon a time used to be the dog days for the news cycle, but the frenetic twenty four seven cycle is back. You, you know that it's that things are intense when the U.S. Senate goes all night. I'm just trying to imagine these eighty year old guys, you know, debating stuff at four a.m. But you know, there's some major stories, obviously. Um, you know, you have the dramatic karmic fall of Andrew Cuomo. I want to talk about that in just a moment. Uh, the, you know, the huge infrastructure win, um, you know, bipartisan infrastructure win, followed by this Senate vote on a three and a half uh, trillion dollar partisan package. Um, you know, and of course, also we have the, you know, the stunning advance of the Taliban in Afghanistan and the continuing COVID demagoguery of Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis. But does it start with this this infrastructure vote, not so much on the merits as as on the politics of it, which is really extraordinary. And yesterday, you know, Biden is trying to be really gracious about it. But no, notice how he kind of spikes the football here. After years and years of infrastructure week, we're on the cusp of an infrastructure decade that I truly believe will transform America. Yo, just had to do the infrastructure week thing. Look, I, I wrote in my newsletter this morning, if you can find a pundit who predicted that Biden would get 69 votes, 69 votes for a trillion dollar infrastructure package. I mean, really, seriously, raise your hand or send me a link because I, I, I can't find anybody. Uh, I had read one story after another assuring me that, he, you know, Biden was hopelessly naive to think that you could get any cooperation from across the aisle. I mean, how many stories were written about, you know, it's in dire shape, it's falling apart. Uh, he doesn't understand that Republicans will never cooperate and generally they won't. You know, you, you had the former guy down in Mar-a-Lago railing against it, threatening Republican senators. And this is the other, I mean, just, at least for the moment, could we just step back and realize that you had about half the Republican caucus that just flatly ignored him? Uh, you had 19 Republicans voting for the package, including Mitch McConnell. I mean, find some commentator anywhere who called that shot. But I mean, yesterday was sort of like, hey, you know, pigs actually did fly. Now, OK, having said that, this bipartisan moment um, lasted about as long as a mayfly. Uh, Democrats quickly moved ahead with their, three, you know, three point five trillion dollars spending plan, which got zero uh, Republican votes. And there's a lot of headwinds about that, which we'll talk about on on future podcasts. Uh, the other major story, Andrew Cuomo's um, spectacular, dramatic, almost Shakespearean fall. Um, when you think where he was last year, um, I, I, I think. By the, can I just mention that we're probably not going to have to retire the term Cuomo sexual now, but he was he was the darling of of American politics and the media. And in 14 days, he's going to be out of a job um, resigning in in disgrace. And he went out in about as graceless way as possible in case you weren't paying any attention, which I assume you were. Uh, he had his attorney come out and attack the investigation, attack the women who had uh, uh, who had come forward. Um, he is uh, denying that he did anything wrong and sort of it's a apology, non-apology sort of thing. I mean, I, I think people understand that Cuomo's resignation was really to uh, uh, to get out of, uh, out of the way of an absolutely inevitable impeachment vote uh, by his fellow Democrats uh, in, in, in Albany. 
And of course, the big question is whether or not he's going to continue to play the victim card, you know, oh, what was me and might run for office in the future. I mean, that's there. But this is, I, I was struck by the way that he sort of tried to rationalize his behavior here. In my mind, I've never crossed the line with anyone. In my mind. But I didn't realize the extent to which the line has been redrawn. Can't grab women's boobs. There are generational and cultural shifts that I just didn't fully appreciate. No idea. And I should have. No excuses. No, except the excuse that he's offering. So basically, I'm sorry here, it's it's like, I'm old and I didn't know. I I wasn't paying any attention to the last five years. You know, when I was signing all those bills and doing all the press conferences about the Me Too movement, or maybe I was paying attention, but I didn't think the rules applied to me. Uh, Yeah, Aaron Blake has a good piece in the Washington Post who said, you know, the two words, that really encapsulate what happened to Andrew Cuomo are hypocrisy and hubris. Um, but also, it, it, you know, it is worth mentioning the difference between a functioning political party and a cult of personality. A, a cult of personality it will never turn against uh, the, the or- you know, for example, the Orange God King, um, no matter what, whereas a functioning political party will say, yeah, we, we can't tolerate this, so he is out. The other story, and I want to spend the rest of the podcast talking about this, the the, the big lie continues. And I have to say that I I, I spent some time listening to uh, my pillow guys uh, symposium. Uh, this is the, you know, Mike, Mike Lindell, who has been promising that this was going to be the moment where he was uh, going to reveal so much evidence of the fraudulent election that the Supreme Court would rule 9-0 to reinstate Donald Trump. And apparently everybody would be so blown away that that Rachel Maddow would say, yeah, you know, Mike Lindell is right about this. And Joe Biden would say, hey, my bad, I'm going to leave the White House, whatever. Um, I, I listened long enough to feel that I was losing brain cells. But keep in mind that this big lie is driving so much of what's going on. Mike Lindell had a little bit of trouble um, getting the thing going yesterday. He had invited the son of the president of Brazil, uh, Bolsonaro, to to appear. I don't know what that's got to do with anything, but um, my pillow guy had a little trouble pronouncing the name. We have the um, president's son, Eduardo, coming here. If I say it right, Bar. Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro. Okay, Bolsonaro. Yeah, afterwards he just called him Brazil. Okay, so this leads into what we're going to be talking about today. I have been looking forward to this conversation for some time. We are joined by Stephen Richer, who is the elected Republican recorder of Maricopa County, where stuff is going on. So, Stephen, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Now, uh, for for our, our listeners, they, they should understand um, you know, what you have been involved in. You are a, an elected Republican. I'm gonna, I just want to keep stressing this. An elected Republican who has been an outspoken critic of the, uh, the cyber ninja non-audit, which you refer to as the biased, unprofessional beliefs already stated in experience, conspiracy theory-driven audit, 
being performed by um, these these folks. And you put out a weekly newsletter, which I find to be absolutely invaluable, updating everything that's going on. So um, welcome to the podcast and, and, and thanks for what you're doing. But give me just first of all, just it, 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 tell me a little bit about yourself. What what is the what is the recorder position? Uh, first of all, what, what is what is your role in Maricopa County? Yeah, well, I, I'm a little surprised and offended that you don't know because I, know. I thought this was, uh, you know, dinner table conversation. But, um, you know, uh, growing up, I, I certainly didn't imagine being the recorder, but it's a fantastic position because it is a position that truly gets to the core of what government services should be, which is a non-delegable function to the private sector um, that has to be fulfilled competently, hopefully, by the government, which is three main functions. So we record public documents. So these are things like your titles, your deeds, your liens, your releases. And so we record over about one million documents a year. We maintain and upkeep the voter registration database of Maricopa County, which has about 2.6 million registered voters. We're the second largest voting jurisdiction in the United States. And then third, we administer elections, and that's obviously where the rubber hits the road for today's program. And for those who don't know, Maricopa County is the greater Phoenix area. As mentioned, we are the second largest voting jurisdiction in the United States. We are a purple county, and we're growing. We're growing really fast, and we constitute about 62% of the vote of Arizona. So where Maricopa County goes, so goes Arizona, which is an increasingly important state. So President Trump and Senator Martha McSally both lost Maricopa County, and um, the former Senator McSally, um, as far as I can tell, has not said a single word about the election um, being bogus, right? Um, you, You have run in Maricopa County, multiple uh, tests, multiple audits, including a hand count of more than 47,000 votes that match the machine count 100%. And yet you are at the center of, well, frankly, the big lie, the center of this, uh, the conspiracy theory that somehow the election was was stolen. So what what is the latest development there? When are we going to hear what the cyber ninjas um, have to say about this? I mean, it, it's the middle of August. The election was last November. What's what is the state of play right now this week? Who knows? Yeah. The only thing that's been consistent is that they've blown deadlines. Originally, this was supposed to be done May 15th. Then it was supposed to be done at the end of July. Then it was supposed to be, no, at the end of June. And then it was supposed to be done at the end of July. Um, They've also blown a deadline from the U.S. House Oversight Committee. And so I I don't know. At this point, we're thinking maybe a report at the end of this month, maybe into September. But they've sent out new subpoenas. They've alleged that they need new information. We keep hearing about the routers, the routers, the routers as completely material to their efforts, which makes no sense at all. So I don't know when we'll get a report. Quite frankly, I've written term papers in less time than uh, than it's certainly taken them to do this. So, again, people need to understand that it, it is not as if you have not had recounts and audits of what's going on. There were eight and I'm basing this on on your newsletter, eight court cases, both state and federal concerning the Maricopa County vote, and not one of them found any fraud or significant error, correct? I mean, so this has been recounted, the hand recounts, the, lo- the looks at the, the court cases, all of that happened. And yet, 
the Republican State Senate. Uh, give me a little background on why this is being done. The Republican State Senate decided that it wanted this audit, and they were the ones that uh, that, that hired the cyber ninjas. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and look, this isn't new ground. Uh, you're absolutely right. right to mention that there were a whole series of tests and court cases conducted to ensure the validity and uh, of this election. And if you'll remember, going back to November is when everyone in the world started hearing about Dominion, a name that had previously not been heard by really anyone, despite the fact that they had been in the elections tabulation space for a long time. But so we understood Dominion to be the largest source of concern, and Maricopa County does use Dominion tabulation hardware and software. And so after the election, by statute, the political parties, so this isn't the county, Republican and Democrat, hand count approximately 47,000 votes This is overseen by the county, but conducted by the political parties, by their designees. Those hand-counted votes matched the machine count 100%. And this is in addition to the other certifications, to the other tests that were conducted to make sure the tabulation equipment worked properly. But then, on its own accord, Maricopa County decided we were going to do additional tests. So we enlisted two professional elections technology companies to come in February 2021 to do everything humanly possible and necessary to find out if the tabulation equipment had been hacked, if it had been manipulated, if it had connected to the internet, if it had switched votes in any capacity. And the answers to that was no, 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 and no. But nonetheless, the Arizona Senate or certain members of the Arizona Senate decided that they wanted to do what they've been calling a full forensic audit. And I'll grant them that this has never in the history of elections been done before because we've never looked at whether paper has bamboo fibers Mm. or secret UV lights. So this is absolutely new. It's been going on for many months now. And I, you know, I think there are some who would like to see it be a staple of American democracy moving forward, which is pretty alarming. But people call this the Senate audit, but that is a misnomer because if this was put to a vote at the Arizona Senate, this would fail. A number of Republican senators have already come out against the audit. All of the Democrats, who are 14 of the 30 in the Arizona Senate, have come out against the audit. This is driven by two people in particular, and that's the Senate president, and that's the chairman of the Judiciary Committee who led the subpoenas. Okay, so that was the question I wanted to get to here because and this always this always kind of fascinates me the, the the question of you know who are these people and do they really believe it? So all of this flows out of these um, bizarre conspiracy theories, and they're really you know the most bizarre theories out there. You know, bamboo because uh, the, the the ballots allegedly might have been flown in from Asia or whatever. So. You know, you're in the middle of this very strange political environment right now. You and other Republicans are some Republicans have been pushing back against it. But who are the people who are pushing this and and do they actually believe it? I mean, is, is there are there people that are just going along because that's what the team requires or yes. are there actual true believers who actually believe that Mike Lindell has stuff? 
Yes and yes. Okay. So at the grassroots level, a lot of Arizona voters, the people who are writing in angrily, I believe that a lot of them have this sincerely held belief that the election was stolen because people that they trust and believe in have told them that it was stolen. And my heart goes out to them in, in, in many respects. I wish they would be a little more civil in their approach to it, but I, I really do feel for them because, look, the alleged leaders have told them the election was stolen. That's something that seems worth getting aggravated about. Um, the elected officials is disappointing. I would say at least half of the Republicans who are going along with this in Arizona know it's complete nonsense. Many of them have told me it's complete nonsense. But upon getting elected, I have learned and entering this political world, I have learned that the top three motivating factors for many politicians are self-preservation, self-preservation, and self-preservation. Yeah. And there's a lot of Republicans who simply are running the looking or putting their finger into the wind and saying, this is the way the winds are blowing. Um, we have a statewide candidate who recently said things that were very disrespectful to the work that the county has done. And when some of our allies called him out on it, he said, hey, I've got to win the Republican primary. And so, you know, even many Republican senators have said, I don't believe in any of this nonsense, but we've got people, you know, banging on the doors. And if I don't do anything, I'll be in trouble. You know, to them, I would say we could make this all go away a lot faster if we just all said, look, there's nothing to it. But, you know, they, they've chosen this path. And I will say that there are a few real believers in the state legislature, like really believe that the election is rigged, that, you know, everything that Mike Lindell says is true. The irony is that many of these people are running for higher office. And so, you know, I, I just don't see how they logically um, they compute that because they, they, you go around and you say, hi, the election's completely rigged. It's completely stolen. Your vote doesn't matter. But by the way, vote for me and please donate as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's worth mentioning that uh, despite all of these claims, nobody's challenging any of the other elections other than the presidential election, right? And Republicans, you know, generally did pretty well in Maricopa County. So on this question of oh, do they actually believe it? So I, I mentioned before that I was listening a little bit to what my pillow guy was was saying at his symposium and other experts were looking at it. And their conclusion seems to be kind of universal that it's complete nonsense, that he's showing lines of data that are really just gibberish, that he keeps saying, look, this piece of paper is going to prove that the Chinese or the Italians or who the hell else, you know, has somehow hacked the election when it is complete gibberish that shows nothing at all. Now, he may not know that. I mean, I don't know whether he's lying about it or whether he's crazy about it, but does the fact that he keeps promising to have evidence that it, that this is going to be the big reveal and it doesn't happen – does that affect the people who are going along with this? And, and and I know this is kind of the old story is like, you know, what, you know, you know, what will it take to get people to go, well, wait, wait, you, you know, I believed you about this fake election, but you got nothing. So does this have any effect? If, if it turns out it's the end of August and he hasn't come up with anything other than this gibberish, nonsense, complete bullshit, which is the way I described it on Nicole Wallace's show last night, um, will people go, whoa, okay, I'm sorry about that, uh, Stephen. Um, you know, my bad. We're, we're, we're out of here. <laughs> well, I don't think 
any of these people will ever apologize necessarily, but you know, I, I think they need stuff like Mike Lindell to continue to fuel the fire because there's a lot of frustration even from the Stop the Steal crowd with the audit just because, it, you know, they say, well, we were sure we had a slam dunk and you keep teasing this stuff, but it's been four months now. And so, you know, Mike Lindell's the next thing we can get excited about. And this this conference, the cybersecurity conference is something we can get excited about. And, and maybe something will pop up next when it turns out that, you know, no, the the Supreme Court of the United States isn't going to absolute zero overturn the election somehow, even though there's not a constitutional provision for that. And so, yeah, you, you got to keep feeding something because, you know, otherwise, you know, yeah. you know, I, I guess the, the, the flames fan out. So yesterday, Dominion, which is the the voting machine company, and you you have you used them there, um, filed more lawsuits uh, against I think it was Newsmax, uh, OAN, the guy that used to uh, own Overstock.com, um, and and they're they're filing these lawsuits on a you know sort of a rolling basis, and they're asking for some really big money. I think they're asking for uh, one point six billion dollars from each of the entities that they are suing. And look, I am not a lawyer. I don't play one uh, either on television or on the podcast. But it seems to me that they're going to have a pretty strong case against people like, you know, the MyPillow guy or anybody else that that has, uh, you know, spread these stories about, you know, Venezuelan hacking of the of the Dominion voting machines. So do lawsuits like that, the the prospect that lying about that might have massive consequences in a court of law where the standards are somewhat um, higher than on Twitter. Um, Do you think that that will be dissuade some of the people from embracing the big lie in in Arizona or or not? Because this this seems to me to be tangible. This is like real shit, right? I mean, if if they're going to sue you and it's $1.6 billion, whoa, okay, um, fun and games is over, you know, the CCLs and balloons when you're just, you know, you know, post, you know, shit posting on, on Twitter, this has real consequences, dude. So you think that maybe that'll be a brushback pitch? Yes, absolutely. So two things real quickly. One, we've used Dominion tabulation equipment and software for a long time in Maricopa County. So it presided over the 2016 election of Donald Trump. It presided over giving Arizona's votes to Mitt Romney in 2012, John McCain, 2008, George W. Bush, 2004. So Dominion's not new to Maricopa County. Uh, Second, I am a lawyer. I know that winning a defamation suit is always a uphill battle just because the standards are very high. However, if Dominion does not win this, then I think we need to seriously revisit our First Amendment jurisprudence in the United States because this is about a slam dunk a case as possible in terms of knowingly making false statements that have had a very damaging effect on a company that is was not a a public actor, you know, nobody, like I mentioned at the outset, Domin- nobody had heard of Dominion prior to November. As for its effects, we've already seen this because we have seen the decline of Newsmax and the ascendancy of One America News Network because Newsmax got brushed back earlier when they got a cease and desist letter and they decided to fold their tent 
And all of the Stop the Steal movement migrated from Newsmax, which was way more prominent than OAN. And now OAN has become the leading spokesperson of Stop the Steal. And I would imagine their ratings have gone up considerably. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much what they have. And they're also, I mean, they're not just covering it. I mean, they are, they're advocates for it. They're raising money for it. Um, they're, they're very much a part of all of this. And obviously that's going to play, that's going to be an interesting um, position to have when you're in court. So one of the things that's different in Arizona, and I'm, I'm looking around the country at where they're, they're trying to replicate this, including places like Wisconsin, my, my home state, where I think political leaders had tried to appease the stop the steal crowd, kind of throw them a bone and go through a go through emotions um, investigation, um, but of course, you know, you, you you feed the alligator and suddenly it gets it gets bigger and bigger and in there and they're now being attacked for all of this. But but one of the things that I, I'm really interested in about what's happening down in Arizona is and includes what you are doing. Is the Republicans are, have been pushing back. I mean, there are pro-democracy Republicans. Um, the chairman of the Maricopa County Board wrote that letter, uh, the, you know, basically telling the state Senate, you live in never, never land. I mean, that that went viral. Uh, there are other Republicans that are willing to say, hey, I am I am out of this. This is completely crazy. So talk to me about the environment and, and and why you have Republicans willing to speak out in Arizona when they have been so unwilling elsewhere in the country yeah I, I wish there were more I can tell you with a hundred percent confidence that there are additional prominent elected Republicans who believe that this is errant nonsense who have been unwilling to consistently and publicly speak out against the audit Hopefully they'll join our team soon. But you're right. We have Fortress Maricopa. Every single elected official in the, on the county level, and that includes four out of the five Repu- Republican Board of Supervisors, that includes the county attorney, that includes the county assessor, the county treasurer, me, have been outspoken about this election being, this audit being nonsense and about the election being free, fair, competent. And so we do have, you know, a bastion, a collection of what I'm calling pro-democracy Republicans here in Maricopa County. And I consider myself very fortunate to have teammates because I look to somebody like Liz Cheney or to Brad Raffensperger or to Adam Kinzinger. And, you know, they're a little bit operating on an island, but we do have Fortress Maricopa County. And I think that will make our ability to push back against this hopefully more successful. So, so you don't think that you're committing political suicide by standing up against this? I don't know, yeah. but I would say if that is your be-all, end-all, then that's pathetic. And I would say go talk to yourself when you first entered politics. And is that really why you entered politics? Um, yeah, I'm a little bit damn the torpedoes at this point, but I, I don't – think it's political suicide. I'm going to fight it. Now, all of us don't come up until 2024, and the political winds could be very different at that point. But, um, you know, you at some point, you have to have a line in the sand. And I talked about this with Adam Kinzinger. You know, everyone has a line in the sand. And mm-hmm. I would encourage anyone before entering political office to write down in a diary or something what your political line in the sand is because you know later you you might be tempted to change that and if lying wholesale about 
an election and the negative consequences that emanated from it, like January 6th and the attempted, you know, storming of the Capitol. If that wasn't a line in the sand, I would suggest you have no line in the sand anymore. And that that doesn't seem right. Well, this is not something you really signed up for when you ran for this office and you were elected in, in 2020, right? No, that's the, that's the irony of all yeah, of this, yeah, right. is, is I was I won on the same ticket that right, was supposedly right. rigged in front for Democrats. I unseated the incumbent Democrat chief elections official for Maricopa County. See, this is, again, this is an interesting little dazzling detail. So you're, you're running, you beat a Democrat, you're elected in this same election. But when you're running and in the campaign and everything, you couldn't possibly, I mean, did you imagine that you'd be doing what you're doing now? I mean, did you, I, 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 I can't imagine that you would have foreseen that your life would be consumed by fighting this kind of, you know, all the conspiracy theories and the disinformation and that you'd be really going head to head with your fellow Republicans? No, not in a million years. Look, I'm raw, raw team Republican. <laughs> I've dedicated most of my life to the conservative movement. You know, worked at American Enterprise Institute, worked at Cato Institute, worked really? at Washington Legal Foundation. You, you name it. I am a creature of the, the intellectual right. Um, Federalist Society, whatever it is, it's on my resume. I, I am the, the boogeyman uh, to the left, probably. The Koch brothers love them. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, uh, on and on. But uh, And I ran under the cheesy platform to make the recorder's office boring again because I wanted to Whoa, okay. depoliticize the environment, um, just really focus on the nuts and bolts uh, of the office because that is my conception of what government should be. But when it got to be like just regular accusations that I had done something unlawful or that my team had done something unlawful, and eventually this Senate audit Twitter account run anonymously said just one thing that was became too much, which was that we had unlawfully spoiled evidence and I couldn't face myself if I was a leader who didn't stand up for his team at that point. So it was at that point in May when I said, enough's enough. If you prick us, we bleed. And if you if you defame us, we fight back eventually. And so since middle of May, I have completely changed my tune and I have been very outspoken of this. And I had previously not taken a single interview since taking office because I just wanted to quietly, humbly and boringly do a boring administrative job. Yeah, it just didn't work out that way. Who knows? No. You know, who knew? <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about Arizona politics, because I guess this is one of the the other interesting things that, that Arizona has been you know, tilting toward the Democrats, uh, a state that used to be solidly Republican. I mean, this was the state of Barry Goldwater and John McCain. And if somebody would have told me, you know, 10 years ago that someday Arizona would have uh, two Democratic U.S. senators um, and um, the Democrat would win the presidential race. I would have thought you're crazy. What, what's happening in Arizona? And yet it seems that rather than the Republican Party thinking about how to win back the state in general elections, they seem to be, I don't know, em embracing the crazy. Um, I mean, and or, or or maybe this is you know why the state has been been trending this way, but it does seem that 
that Arizona Republicans, with the exception of of the people you've you've described, don't seem to understand that that the crazier they get, the less likely they are to win general elections. Do you follow me? Oh, I, I, I very much do follow you, and I, I think about it a lot. And one of my fears for the Republican Party of Arizona in this is that we are going to make all of our statewide candidates say things in the primary right. that are necessary to win the primary that are disqualifying for what is now a purple electorate in the statewide uh, Arizona races. Um, you're 100% right. The trajectory of Arizona Republican Party is, is has not been favorable since 2016. We've lost both of our U.S. Senate seats. We've lost a House seat. We've lost uh, seats in our state legislature. We've lost the Secretary of State's race, which is a statewide race. And so, and yet, despite all that, there are many Republicans in our state who are far more interested in sending the right Republican through the primary rather than finding a Republican who actually can win in a general election. The, the chairwoman of our Republican Party says her primary focus is, to, is to, to toughen Republicans up who are in elected office and to make sure, you know, we don't have any rhinos. And, and you know, like rhino hunting seems to be a, a fixation of hers more than winning general elections. So right now, would a, a Cindy McCain, would she be considered a complete pariah in the Republican Party? Has she been excommunicated? Oh, she's been censured by the okay. Arizona Republican Party. And um, yeah. so has her. So was her husband. Um, the McCain name, while still venerated in many quarters in Arizona, including ironically now both of our Democratic U.S. senators, um, is complete mud with the grassroots Republican Party of Arizona. Okay, so I want to get to some of the details um, and, and have you clarify some of the things that have actually happened there. But uh, hey, let's let's take a quick break and then we'll we'll be back with a little bit more from Stephen Richer from uh, Maricopa County. Hey, Charlie Sykes here. Uh, just a quick reminder: if you sign up for Bulwark Plus, you will have access to our morning newsletters, to JVL's Triad, uh, as well as our whole suite of podcasts. This one will remain free, but if you want to listen to the Secret Podcast or uh, participate in our live streams uh, or others like the Next Level Podcast, uh, please consider joining Bulwark Plus. We're back with Stephen Richer, who is the elected Republican recorder of Maricopa County and a very, very outspoken critic of the bogus uh, cyber ninja um, uh, fake audit. I don't want to I don't even want to call it an audit. You have a weekly email, by the way, um, which I find very valuable. Uh, how, how, do, how, do, how, could, how do people get that? It's the weekly Maricopa County update from Stephen Richer. So if people want to get this newsletter, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, I haven't gotten too terribly sophisticated, but you can either go to uh, prodemocracygop.com. That's just prodemocracygop.com. Or you can email me, and my email is just my first name, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, dot richer, which is my last name, R-I-C-H-E-R, just like the word, at gmail.com. Um, so a couple of details that, that I, I don't have it all right in front of me, but so I want you to clarify at some point, did the cyber ninjas actually really take the ballots or the machines out of the state to Montana? We, the ballots, no, we don't know exactly what 
this guy who works for one of the subcontractors called Cypher drove to what we understand to just be his house, basically, in a cabin in, in Montana. He took so either cyber data or, or, or actual computer hardware. We don't know. Um, there are some potential legal ramifications of, uh, regarding transporting voter information across state lines. But yeah, just one of the many mysteries that has been born out of this highly unorthodox audit was that our voting data ended up in a cabin in Montana run by one guy. So the other story was that, that you're going to have to, the, the county is going to have to spend millions of dollars buying new voting machines because they've been tampered with by these auditors. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So this is a classic example of Pennywise pound foolish. According to some of the people that I've spoken to who are connected to Senate President Karen Fan, when presented with bids from reputable companies to the tune of $450,000, she balked at the price and instead chose the Cyber Ninjas for $150,000. Now, as you know, the Cyber Ninjas went on to raise $5.6 million from private sources, but this is also going to cost the taxpayer way more than $450,000 because the Cyber Ninjas have embroiled the Senate in legal controversy after legal controversy, so their legal bills have to be through the roof right now, but also somebody, either the state or the county, is going to have to spend millions of dollars on new tabulation equipment, and that's because... The Secretary of State said, you gave this tabulation equipment to non-certified election, uh, non-certified personnel who completely opened it up. We have no idea what they did with it. The Department of Homeland Security has advised us strongly against using this in future elections. So we are go not going to certify that equipment for future use in Arizona elections. Oh, man. We in Maricopa County only use equipment if it's certified both at the federal level and the state level. So if we only use certified equipment and the secretary of state will not certify it, then we can't use this equipment. <laughs> you know, when you think about some of the rationalization for doing things like this and people say, well, you know, we just want to assure the public that, that everything's on the up and up. We want to increase people's confidence in the electoral system. And then they do stuff like this. And the fact that they've messed with the machine. So I, I guess when I read that story, I'm thinking, okay, so are the actual votes secure? Um, Cyber Ninjas will say, and, and I think we can kind of predict what, what they're going to throw up against the wall. I'll ask you about that in, in, in a second. But, but can, they, can they actually pollute the system to the point where we won't actually know what happened? You know what I'm saying? I mean, have, have they messed with with any of the tangible um, evidence of the actual results, the ballots themselves? Have they been secure? So the ballots are now back with Maricopa County and they are in the Maricopa County Treasurer's Vault now as statutorily required. Um, we did not, you know, go through and do our own hand mm -hmm. count after mm -hmm. they returned them to make sure that all the ballots came back. Um, we have always had the images, the digital images of the ballots. And so, you know, if I guess something came up 
and it got thrown to the courts, we would still have those digital images and you could do a recount from those um, pretty easily. In fact, from a professional third party company who actually does this type of stuff. Um, I don't know if we'll get there. Um, We actually cannot do our own sua sponte recount um, absent a court order, which was always a hang up in this. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It will depend on what the cyber ninjas allege in their report eventually. Well, again, we don't know when that report's going to come out. My gut sense is they're they're too invested in this at this point. I mean, for them to you know spend all of this time and all of this money, um, it seems to me extremely unlikely they'll say, "Hey, yeah, actually, uh, Joe Biden won this election fair and square. We have no problems whatsoever." So, uh, what do you expect they're going to say, and what do you think the fallout will be? I don't know. I'm a generally pretty optimistic person, so I'm I'm, I'm hopeful. And you know, but the look, you know. People raised $5.6 million for this, all of whom are from the Stop the Steal crowd. They'll be pretty disappointed uh, if, the, if the ninjas come back and say exactly what you just said. You know, on the other hand, if the ninjas say something like, oh, you know, like what Mike Lindell said yesterday, uh, you know, Donald Trump actually won Maricopa County by a few hundred thousand votes. That will be very easy for us to refute and and make them look like fools. So I suspect they'll, you know, maybe they'll settle for something where they'll hem and haw about insecurities and vulnerabilities and, and vague accusations and uh, without actually naming anything that could be specifically refuted. And that is terrible for our election confidence. That's terrible for the election system. And it really belies what the, the Senate has said this is all about, which is instilling added confidence in the process. Well, I think the importance of some of the things that you have done, um, the, the importance of what you've done here of by, you know, shining a light on uh, how bogus this this the attempt is, is that it seems to have uh, slowed the spread of this around the country. I was concerned a few months ago when you started to see people in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania who were saying we want to do the same thing as Arizona. They'd actually visited Arizona. But I think for most fair-minded people, including um, that handful of pro-democracy Republicans, this audit has been so discredited that people are reluctant to move ahead in other states. And, you know, you know so I, I think that that's been extremely valuable because I can certainly imagine that had there not been all of this scrutiny, that you would see these uh, audits uh, springing up all over the country and they wouldn't overturn the election, but... I guess my main concern is whether they've normalized this kind of behavior. So how concerned are you that this is, in fact, the new normal, that we will we will be litigating, fighting, um, uh, trading conspiracy theories uh, after every election whose uh, results we don't like? I mean, is this is this our future now? Is Maricopa County the future? Have we seen the future and it's Maricopa County? Um, I don't think that this style of audit will be transplanted to a whole bunch of different counties because I think enough sensible people say, okay, if I was designing an audit to check a highly important thing, I would bring in an experienced company with professional certifications who had a longstanding history in this space who used scientific methods and did so in a transparent process. I would bring in 
the Ernst and Young of the accounting world, the Latham and Watkins of the legal world. I would not bring in a one-person outfit who had never worked in this space from Sarasota, Florida. I, I hope enough <laughs> sensible people realize that. Now, what I do think it has normalized is just the ability to say, oh, I, I certainly wasn't my fault. Uh, you know, I must have won, but uh, the, somehow this, the election was stolen from me. And, and as somebody who really cherishes individual responsibility, that is so anathema to me. You know, that's like saying, you know, oh, uh, you know, I'm not making as much money as I want and it must be the Jews or the immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I thought it was antithetical to what being a Republican was all about. But I do think, you know, why, why, if you're a Democrat presidential candidate who loses the, the next in a future cycle, why would you, I mean, but for your own morality, why would you, what's to keep you from throwing a similar, uh, a similar fit? Um, and, and, you know, I, I just, well, they say this is all about, you know, inspiring confidence. But then, you know, two weeks ago, Right before President Trump visited Arizona, they concocted this 47,000 number, and we debunked it immediately, and anyone with a shred of experience in Arizona elections could have debunked it immediately. And guess what? Even their Senate liaison, Ken Bennett, said, oh, okay, there's nothing to this. Even the more sensible senators realized there's nothing to this. Well, apparently nobody thought to tell President Trump. And so he got on the stage and he said, you know, we've already found these. Well, I said 47, before, 74, actually right? 74,000. Yeah. We, you know, there were 74,000 fraudulent ballots injected into the system and boom, it's out there then. And you yep. can't put that genie back in the bottle. Try as we might, as we may. And we have, and we, we put out a website, just the facts.com, just the facts.com. Or no, excuse me. Just the facts. Vote. Just the facts. Okay. Vote um, to counter some of these these falsehoods. But you know, when 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 the former president of the United States says it, it, it's hard to put it back. And if it was really about inspiring confidence, then why would you let him go up on a stage and say something that you know has been debunked? It is like whack a mole, and I guess that's that's my concern. You're an optimist. I'm 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 less so, or I used to be. Well. I'm less optimistic than I used to be because it takes so long to refute the lie. The lie can just be, you know, spewed out there, um, you know, from from a, at, a, at a Trump rally. And then you have to go through the the painstaking process of convincing it. And then there are some people who appear to be immune to information who just don't want to be convinced. But this is a classic case that 74,000 mail-in ballots that you know were counted without a clear um, record of actually being sent out. And again, it was completely debunked. It was completely answered. It was completely explained. And yet, as you point out, it's going to be in the bloodstream for years. Right. I mean, it's and, you know, and is I don't know whether Trump knew it or, you know, believes it or not. And maybe he just doesn't care. And that's part of the problem is we have a lot of people who say things that I don't know whether they believe them or whether they care whether they believe them. Yeah, I, I'm not a. You know, there are a lot of Trump psychology experts. I'm not one of them, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I just found it very dystopian that an entire stadium full of people who should, knew or should have known that that was nonsense were screaming along in agreement mm-hmm. um, to to a number that was factually inaccurate. 
Stephen Richard, thank you so much for coming on the podcast uh, today. I really appreciate it. I was really looking forward to this and was a fascinating discussion. So thank you, uh, Mr. Richard. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate it. And thank you all for listening to today's Bulwark podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back tomorrow and we'll do this all over again. <laughs>